In this episode, I explain what trade secret misappropriation is and provide a real-world example. It's the Keith Law PLLC podcast, and I'm Jason Keith, attorney in Houston, Texas. Keith Law is a Texas-based law firm that helps businesses protect and enhance their competitive advantages by assisting with trademark issues and identifying and protecting trade secrets. The firm's goal is to help businesses prevent and address business problems, and I hope this podcast will do the same. In the previous episode, we explored what a trade secret is. This episode covers what trade secret misappropriation is. And here's the example. I had a client who sold goods to other businesses in a certain industry. And after years of successes, they decided to risk the time, capital, and effort to open up their business in another Texas market. And this market was far away from their usual customers, far away from their home base. They were going to have to rely on their key employee who was going to be opening up the market for them. So first, before they sent their key employee out there, they presented him with an agreement that included restrictive terms such as confidentiality agreement, a non-solicitation agreement that said that he couldn't solicit customers and couldn't solicit employees if he left, as well as a non-compete agreement. It was important that this agreement also contained a venue selection provision, which means that if there's a lawsuit related to this contract, it would occur in a court in Harris County, Texas. That's to prevent from the risk of having to fight in a Texas court over a thousand miles away. So the reason they required their key employee to sign that agreement before sending them out there was as a way of managing the risk related to sending this trusted employee to a new region where he would use their resources to open up the distant market, including establishing new customer relationships. If something happened and he decided to leave or they decided they had to make him leave, there would be a risk that he might attempt to take all the business information that he developed for them and might take all the business relationships that he developed for them, and he might open up a competing business across the street. As it happened, something just like that actually occurred. After he established a successful regional market position for my client's business, he decided to quit. He quickly formed a competing entity with the Texas Secretary of State. He emailed himself confidential information. He emailed a remaining employee of my client to send him trade secret information to his personal email account. Then he began actually competing with my client by doing business with my client's customers. From the business's perspective, this was an emergency situation. So when I presented the lawsuit and the application for emergency injunction to the Harris County Ancillary Court seeking a temporary restraining order, I was really glad I had a signed copy of the agreement and other compelling evidence to help the ancillary court judge decide to issue a temporary restraining order. In fact, that same day, the court issued a TRO, temporary restraining order, stopping him from competing until an evidentiary hearing could be held to determine whether a longer-term injunction should be issued to protect my client until the full trial could be held. So the court's swift action in this case provided immediate relief to my client and put the former employee in a position where he was willing to quickly cooperate on a reasonable solution to this business problem. Now I'm going to move into what trade secret misappropriation is, but first you need to know what a cause of action is. And you think of a cause of action like a lawsuit recipe. Every lawsuit requires a cause of action, which is just an actionable legal theory or a way of asking for relief from a judge that a judge can recognize as allowable. Three examples of common causes of action are breach of contract, 
trespass to real estate, and trade secret misappropriation. And one way that I like to explain what a cause of action is is using the analogy of a baking recipe. So just like a cake requires all of its ingredients to turn out right, a lawsuit requires a cause of action with a recipe of essential elements. All of those essential elements must be proven in order for the cause of action to be established and therefore in order to prevail. If you lack evidence on any one of those essential elements, if you lack any of those ingredients, you don't succeed on your cause of action. You can't. So I might call the essential ingredients of a trade secret misappropriation cause of action. I might refer to those as elements. But when I use the term elements, that's just like an ingredient in a cake recipe. Under Texas law, misappropriation of a trade secret occurs when the owner of a trade secret establishes four things. First, that a trade secret exists. Listen back to the last episode or, or skim the previous blog post to see what a trade secret is. Two, the trade secret was improperly acquired through a confidential or contractual relationship or by other improper means. Three, the defendant used or disclosed the trade secret without the plaintiff's authorization. And four, the plaintiff sustained damages as a result of the misappropriation. All four of these ingredients, all four of these essential elements are required to prove trade secret misappropriation. When we look back at TUTSA, which just to refresh your memory from the last episode is the Texas Uniform Trade Secrets Act, TUTSA defines misappropriation as the acquisition of a trade secret of another by a person who knows or has reason to know that the trade secret was acquired by improper means. It also means the disclosure or use of a trade secret of another without express or implied consent by a person who, one, two, or three, one, used improper means to acquire knowledge of the trade secret, two, at the time of the disclosure or use, knew or had reason to know that the person's knowledge of the trade secret was derived from or through a person who used improper means to acquire it, acquired it under circumstances giving rise to a duty to maintain its secrecy or limit its use, or derived from or through a person who owed a duty to the person seeking relief to maintain its secrecy or limit its use, or three, before a material change of the person's position, knew or had reason to know that it was a trade secret and that knowledge of it had been acquired by accident or mistake. And just as an aside, because it may go without saying, but it may not, to prevail on a misappropriation of trade secret case or cause of action, a plaintiff also has to prove ownership of the trade secret. Not just that it is a trade secret, but that the plaintiff actually owns the trade secret. So the first element of a trade secret misappropriation cause of action is that a trade secret exists. Like I said, check the last episode or blog posts for what a trade secret is. But note that as briefly mentioned there, the question of whether a trade secret misappropriation occurred is also determined by reference to when the defendant learned it and misused it and not at the time of the lawsuit. So if the secret's fallen into the public domain after the defendant breached a confidential relationship, the fact that it's no longer a trade secret will not exonerate the defendant from liability for misappropriation. This just means that the bad actor can't reveal the secret and then say, hey, it's not a secret, so it's not a trade secret. Element number two is improper acquisition. And I'd like to talk about it generally and then go into the specific instance of information acquired during employment. All this falls under the improper acquisition element of the cause of action. But first, generally, the defendant 
must have acquired the trade secret improperly or through breach of either a confidential relationship or a contractual obligation not to disclose it. In other words, to misappropriate a trade secret, a person must violate some kind of legal duty toward the trade secret owner, and the trade secret owner must have at least taken steps to protect the trade secret from discovery by improper means. This duty may arise without a contract as a matter of law, such as in the case of a fiduciary relationship, but it most often will arise as a matter of fact in licensing, manufacturing, business purchase relationships, by other written contract, or by implied contract in an employment relationship. Then looking back at Tutsa, Tutsa defines improper means as including theft, bribery, misrepresentation, breach, or inducement of a breach of a duty to maintain secrecy, to limit use, or to prohibit discovery of a trade secret or espionage through electronic or other means. On the other hand, proper means is defined as discovery by independent development, reverse engineering unless prohibited, or any other means that is not improper. And reverse engineering is the process of studying, analyzing, or disassembling a product or device to discover its design, structure, construction, or source code, provided that the product or device was acquired lawfully or from a person having the legal right to convey it. So I'd like to talk a little bit about information acquired during employment, but first keep in mind that the best practice is to explicitly define and protect your business's trade secrets with written agreements with your employees. But if a business fails to have such written agreements, it can be argued that an employee is under an obligation not to divulge or use the trade secrets of the employer, except for the employer's benefit, not only during employment, but after employment terminates. On the other hand, a former employee may use, in competition with the former employer, the general knowledge, skills, and experience acquired during employment, as well as any information learned in employment that is not subject to a duty of non-disclosure, so long as competition is fairly and legally conducted. But the existence of a written agreement makes it much easier to A, prove what everyone understood the trade secrets to be, B, expressly agree that injunctions should be available, and C, specify the county in which an action should be brought. What about discovery of another person's trade secret? The discovery of another's trade secret by improper means is actionable. Actionable means it can be sued on. A few examples of improper means of acquiring another's trade secrets include theft, fraud, unauthorized interception of communications, knowing participation in or inducement of a breach of confidence, and other means either wrongful in themselves or wrongful under the particular circumstances of the case. So as mentioned in the previous episode where we discuss what a trade secret is, the fact that knowledge of the plaintiff's trade secret may potentially be acquired through lawful means, such as inspection, experimentation, and analysis, does not preclude protection from those who would secure that knowledge by unfair means. The question is not how the knowledge could have been acquired, but how it was actually acquired. Element three of the misappropriation of trade secrets cause of action is unauthorized use or disclosure. To be actionable, the trade secret must have been used or disclosed by the defendant without authorization by the owner. Use means commercial use and occurs when a person seeks to profit from the use of another person's trade secret. Use has also been defined more broadly as any exploitation of a trade secret that's likely to cause harm to the trade secret's owner or benefit to the appropriator. For example, use of another person's trade secret to produce a product that's then sold in competition with the trade secret owner is actionable under Texas law. But liability is not limited to the situation in which the appropriator used a trade secret exactly in the form in which it was received and the defendant can be liable for its use 
with modifications or improvements. Likewise, divulging another person's trade secret that was obtained by improper means is also actionable. And there are other activities short of direct use of the trade secret in competition with the trade secret's owner that's also potentially actionable. A commercial use has been defined by courts as one in which the offending party seeks to profit from the use of the secret, and many courts have held that a misappropriation of trade secrets followed by an exercise of control is a commercial use. And a couple examples of commercial uses include the internal use of a competitor's trade secret in advance of marketing the appropriator's product, the use of a trade secret to produce a design for which a patent application is filed, the use of another person's trade secret with modification and improvements to produce a competitive product, the use of a product design embodying trade secrets to obtain financing for development of a product, and the use of another's dynamic templates source code to create its own templates. More recently, in 2012, the Fifth Circuit, which is the federal court of appeals that includes Texas federal courts under its jurisdiction, adopted an even broader standard for what constitutes use of a trade secret. Fifth Circuit said any misappropriation of a trade secret that's likely to result in injury to the trade secret owner or enrichment of the defendant suffices to constitute use of a trade secret sufficient to satisfy this cause of action element. In this episode, I've focused on what a cause of action for trade secret misappropriation is. And as always, in every one of these episodes, there's so many other topics and subtopics and sub-subtopics that are beyond the scope of the episode. We didn't cover potential remedies, including injunctions, very much. I mentioned injunctions earlier, but I didn't get to go into Texas's three-part injunction system, which I like to explain. We didn't cover related legal theories that may be available depending on the particular circumstances. And we didn't cover potentially available defenses to a trade secret misappropriation lawsuit. But I hope this episode helps to provide you some more understanding on not just what a trade secret is, which we covered in the last episode, but what is an actionable cause of action for trade secret misappropriation that a court may be able to help with. The real takeaway, as always, is that when it comes to protecting your trade secrets, reasonable steps must be taken to protect the trade secret in order for them to be protected under TUTSA. For additional information, check the links in the show notes. I have links to all different resources where you can find more information from me on this topic, including a link to the blog post in which this podcast episode is embedded, where you'll find some hyperlinks to different things that will take you outside of my website to other resources. In the show notes, also in the blog post, you'll find timestamps that will tell you where I talked about certain things in this episode. So if you want to refer back to certain things that I talked about, you don't have to re-listen to the entire episode. You can just find the timestamp and fast forward to that time. It's always best to avoid ending up in a situation where you may need to assert a misappropriation of trade secrets cause of action. But as with so many areas in business, you're constantly needing to weigh the risks and rewards of different actions and being sure to preserve potential evidence that may need to be used in a trade secret misappropriation action is essential. Hopefully, there never will need to be any misappropriation of trade secrets action, but if there is, you and your lawyer will be very glad that you preserve the evidence necessary to allow the judge to do what the judge needs to do to protect your business. I don't know who all will listen to this episode, so it may also be helpful to hear things that you should not do if you're an employee or if you're hiring somebody from a competitor 
things that you need to be careful about to avoid ending up in the crosshairs of a misappropriations of trade secrets lawsuit. The goal of most businesses is to try to conduct business with minimal extraneous hassles and loss of resources. And regardless of which side you're on in a misappropriations of trade secret dispute, you will be using resources, time, and attention, and capital to focus on something that is not the core competency of the business and is not focused on maximizing the profits of the business. So best wishes to you on avoiding the necessity of a misappropriation of trade secrets lawsuit. Disclaimer, this audio is for informational purposes only and should not be misinterpreted as legal or other professional advice. If you have a legal question, you should consult with an attorney in your jurisdiction. This is Jason Keith thanking you for listening to the Keith Law PLLC podcast.